Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's show, we're talking the best in video games for 2018. All this and more for the 100th time as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the racing aficionado of Humanica Media. You gotta check out everything today at humanicamedia.com, Humanicamedia on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Vroom vroom, man. We're on a hundred episodes and going strong. Vroom vroom. Just gotta look out for those walls, you know? Left turns. Gotta do all those left turns, man. That's the way they do it in NASCAR, my friend. Like I said, a hundred laps down and so many more to go until the finish line for us right here on the multiverse. And we cannot thank you enough. And my good friend, Josh, I cannot thank you enough as well. And everyone out there listening, just truly appreciate you hanging out with us every Friday and the weekend when it comes to the PCC multiverse. But it is going to be a great episode we have for you today. Plus, we are also going to talk about I don't know if it's the good news or the bad news when it comes to Holmes and Watson, the latest movie from the comedy team of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Has it been playing out well so far since its Christmas release? We're going to give our thoughts on it and a lot more. But first, we've got a lot to talk about with video games. And in fact, you've got a special deal when it comes to video games, when it comes to Vitabrace from our friends at Miracle Fruit Oil, do you not? Yeah, so as you guys know, Miracle Fruit Oil's Vitabrace high-performance gaming wristband. So if you go on www.miraclefruitoil.com and purchase a Vitabrace high-performance gaming wristband using the code MEDIA10 at checkout, not only will you get $10 off your very own Vitabrace high-performance gaming wristband, you will also get a free game, a free code for a free game. That's right. And that's Steam, right? And that's on Steam. Well, that's awesome. I think, like you said, first off, it's going to be a Sonic game, and then we go from there, correct? Correct. It will be a Sonic game. This this month, it's a Sonic game. So, if you want one of the many great classic Sonic games starring our favorite Blue Hedgehog, 
go on over to www.miraclefruitoil.com and purchase a Vitabrace High Performance Gaming Wristband. Once again, using the code MEDIA10 at checkout, and then we will send you a free game. I'll tell you what, man. We're here to talk video games right now on the front end of the show. So, my friend, we're talking the best video games of 2018. You are the man in the know when it comes to the video game scene out there. This was a pretty good year. There was a lot of great candidates out there for Game of the Year for 2018. Josh, when it comes right down to it, what are some of the first thoughts you had when you were thinking about some of the best games of 2018? Well, I got my top 10 here. You want to hear them? Yeah, let's go for number 10. What comes to mind when it comes to a number 10 is concerned? Okay, so keep in mind that I do not play all the games that I wanted to. There are far too many games, not enough time, and I need to sleep eventually. So I missed out on a few I really wanted to play. So here's my number 10. I got Spyro Reignited. Did you play that on PlayStation ever, the, yeah. uh, the original? Well, the original, of course, yeah. I mean, Spyro itself has a long history with the PlayStation and it's just something that a lot of people enjoyed at the time. And to have it reimagined in such a grand fashion was was a brilliant stroke by PlayStation and everyone out there as far as to bringing that, that wonderful character back to life. And that I'm a pretty good platformer, not really one of my favorites, but still a pretty good platformer nonetheless. Well, here's the thing. When I first saw, well, when I first heard that they were re-releasing it, you know, they're talking about the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy came out. And everyone's like, oh, hey, I wonder if we're ever going to see Spyro. And then lo and behold, three months later, you know, we got a Spyro announcement. I saw footage of it at E3 and I was stoked on life because it is a very beautiful remaster. But, you know, I popped it into my Xbox. And while I did love going back to the Dragon World, it just made me realize that I am not coordinated enough to play this game as an adult. So what else is on your mind, man, when it comes to number nine on your list for the best games in 2018? Okay, so number nine, I got Sea of Thieves. I know I had tried to get you to play with us once, but uh, I think you had something, or you installed it, and then we just couldn't make our schedules match up or something. And I played it. I, I did That one I did go ahead and take a, a look at and play a couple hours of, and I'll tell you what, it's just something that the concept is cool, but I think what kept a lot of people from really staying with it is the fact that the world itself is just not that enjoyable, not that immersive, and it just does not bring out enough challenges to the players out there. In fact, a lot of it was just exploring and scavenging the high seas, and pretty much that was it. And, and just there needed to be something more, I think, to bring a connect to me and a lot of other players out there. And I think that's why it did not hit on a level that Microsoft was hoping it would be. Well, Gerald Commodore of Pop Culture Cosmos, let me tell you a little bit something about Sea of Thieves here. Commodore! I like that! Commodore! <laughs> so my big complaint with Sea of Thieves, fun game. You know, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted a pirate game that I could jump on and play with my friends. You know, we have our boat, scour the seven seas, or one sea in this case, and just have hours of piratey fun on there. And then this game came along, and it was fun. It's fun for the first, like, five or six hours you play, because, you know, you're looking for treasure, you're doing missions, you're fighting ghost pirates, and you're, uh, you know, drinking booze on your boat and throwing up on the guy driving. Always a good time. But the thing that this game lacks is a progression system. And for that reason, it feels kind of pointless. My other big complaint about it is that it is basically a haven for trolls. So you can't, once you die, you can't go back to port unless your boat sinks. And we had this case, me and Big Dog and Brian Kane from Topicocalypse had this 
night where we were all playing and these guys were like launching themselves onto our ship and they would not let the boat sink and they knew where all the spawn points were on the boat so every time we came back to life they kept killing us over and over like it was funny to them like we spent 10 minutes trying to figure out how to get them away and then finally we, ju we just quit the game you know i guess rage quit in a way so that was not fun and then there's a point where we were fighting the kraken and then instead of killing the kraken all the other boats on the game started shooting at us so that was also not fun so i probably <laughs> won't be going back to that one so that's my number nine number eight my friend number, number eight number eight i got pokemon let's go pikachu so not a lot to say about this that hasn't already been said you know about pokemon games it's basically a remake of pokemon yellow the colors are beautiful i love the the new animations it's funny, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of dirty that you don't pick up on as a kid, but now I go back through and I pick up on it as an adult, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of pervy. Like all the, uh, you know when you go into Mount Moon and you fight all the, the big fat hikers? Some of their dialogue is crazy pervy, and you just don't notice it because you're a kid, but then I go back as an adult, and I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that in a, a real-world setting. But no, it was, it was fun. I like the different mechanics. I like the, the way you could have Pokemon follow you around. You fly around places. All the battles are there, all the dungeons, all the the gym masters and the Elite Four. And I love the way that they create a game within the Pokemon mythology that you can play along and do, um, you know, you're not red and blue like in the originals, but you're following in their footsteps. They do exist in this universe. So they kind of tied it in without making it like a game within the greater mythology of Pokemon. My youngest does play the majority of it, but she thoroughly enjoys Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Yeah, they've done a good job with this franchise of kind of reaching across the generations. Like, look at what Pokemon Go did. It brought all kinds of people together in a way that, you know, Fortnite is kind of doing now. Number seven on your list, my friend. What is number seven on your list? All right, at number seven is a game we have talked about, a game I got a review code for, Battle Princess Madeline. So this is one of those games that, you know, it, it's kind of a, a retro-looking game, and it's it's supposed to be punishing like those old retro arcade games. Kind of a platformer, kind of a uh, role-playing game, little mix of both. But I just I love how it's so crazy difficult. But the feeling you get when you finish the game, it's unlike anything I've experienced in a long time. And that might be kind of a sad fact. But you know, I love what they did with the color shades and the way the the screen lights up. And it's just a fun game because even in the dungeons, you have like your first boss is a giant skeleton that does this like weird dance. And even in the it's frustrating moments, there's still something that's that's cool about it. You know, it's not something that you want to rage quint throw a controller at a wall after. It's it's a very uh, well put together game, not really for your casual gamer. But if you're a, a fan, and you grew up in the 80s and early 90s, got to hang out in arcades like this is a game I would definitely recommend. Beating that game was a feeling that I haven't had since I was like six. So you can check out my review on www.popculturecosmos.com, but definitely pick it up. And I think it came out on Switch last week, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it did as well. Yes, I think you're correct on that. All right, my friend, what's your number six on your list of the best games of 2018? Okay, uh, keep in mind, uh, a lot of these I wrote reviews for, and you can check them out on our website. My number six is Faye, and I hate absolutely hate how people always want to correct me when i talk about this game they go it's pronounced fee that bothers me because you don't know that how do you know you know do they talk to the developers who knows you know is it akuna matata or is it akuda matata we don't know right so anyways fey is a fun game colors are very unique design and the soundtrack is really cool and it's like it's basically you're playing 
what do I say? Like a mixture of Avatar and Bambi. So you're like trying to save all these creatures and you're saving the deer and you're just a little fox, you know, and like the, the game is not too difficult and the story doesn't really connect well. I see what they tried to do, but, um, you know, it doesn't have a lot of dialogue, so it's hard to get. But it, it's a it's a pretty big open world for a $30 game. The mechanics where you try to reach out and talk to the animals is pretty cool and you gain a lot of skills and there's a lot of uh, stuff to go back to after you play the game. So not not a lot of depth to this game. Easy to play if you're if you're just looking for something casual to play on an airplane or a bus or something. Phase definitely something you should check out. Did you ever get a chance to uh, play that? Yeah, I did. I, I saw quite a bit of it. And I'll tell you what, it is definitely out there. I agree with, with as such as you that it didn't have a complete story as far as the bits and pieces that were thrown at you like breadcrumbs. I could have done without that. I could have actually been enticed more and been drawn in more if it was a deeper, rich story involved. If you, I think if you're going to do that, you might as well go all the way with it, but unfortunately they didn't. But I, I can see your issues with the game when it comes to that as far as the story is concerned. Well, that's your bottom five on your top 10 list for video games of 2018. Coming up right after the break will be your top five video games of 2018, plus I'll throw in a couple more as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson, as he breaks down his top five of 2018 when it comes to the world of video games. Just to let you know as well, I played two excellent games that are not going to be on his list because he didn't get a chance to try them. Omen Sight is a really solid game, and I hope people will give that one a try. I really think they should. Omen Sight, there is now a definitive edition now available on Switch, so I want to give that a shout out. Gave that a, I'm giving that a pretty, I gave that a pretty solid review. I also want to mention as well Coffee Crisis, which I had a ton of fun. So did my daughters playing Coffee Crisis as well on the Nintendo Switch. We got review codes for both, and I will tell you, of the two, Coffee Crisis was a lot of fun, and I also recommend Omen Sight as well. So getting back to your list, my friend, what is number five on your top five video games, well, on your top video games of 2018? Number five, I actually got Far Cry 5. This was an interesting game, despite all the controversy it had surrounding it, it it was a lot of fun. Like the world was a lot more open than I thought it would be. You know, the, the other Far Cry games, while they're pretty open world, they're sort of linear in what you can do. This game, you go anywhere. There's side quests galore. You know, it's got some comedy aspects to it, like the guy that gets abducted by aliens and then you get the ray gun. The environment is always trying to kill you. And that's something that I haven't ever seen in a game before. And as for the story, uh, what's really cool about it is that the whole idea of like a you know someone taking over a land, a cult, you know, a religious cult that revolves around drugs and people being brainwashed, like that stuff 
it actually happens. You know, there's a net, there's a documentary about on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but like these people actually took over a, a town in uh, Montana. I want to say, but pop culture cosmos, <laughs> right? Pop culture cultmos. Anyways, you'll have to put wait, it wait, 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 wait. Yeah, anyways, no, it was good, and like I, I do want to. I haven't quite finished the game yet. It's still on my shelf. Uh, there's just been too many other games I want to play, but it no, the story's good. The the game is cool. It's fun. There's a, you know, the, the first person shooter elements of it are not ridiculously hard to get used to. I and mean, you just go around a lot to explore. The characters are engaging. You actually want to go around and do some, do the side quest because it helps bring the community together. And like, they actually motivate you to go and see what this world has to offer. It was an experience that I never thought I'd be able to have with a Far Cry game. So I'm definitely uh, excited to get back to it. And I know there's a sequel coming out next year. And that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. I mean, what are your thoughts on now having to go ahead and play in 2019 Far Cry New Dawn, which takes place in the same area, but se- about, what, 17 years, I think, after the actual events that take place in Far Cry 5, after a, what, a nuclear holocaust or something like that, in a, guess what, a post-apocalyptic world, my friend, in Far Cry, does this interest in you, or is this just way too much borderlining on what we've already seen from Fallout? Well, here's the thing: Fallout 76 is already tanked or tanking still, and I don't think that there's much uh, that Far Cry can do that is going to put it beneath Fallout 76. So I'm all—I mean, I'm I'm down for playing. I don't imagine it's going to be a really long game, and the reason, or the uh, you know how they're able to put out a sequel that fast is just revolves around the fact that all the elements of the game were already made. You know, you had that world already created. All they were really doing were putting some, you know, more post-apocalyptic stuff into it. And it, by the the looks of it, it looks like the uh, the main baddie from the last game, Joseph's still alive. So it'll be interesting to see what characters carry over, what happened, who these new characters are, how it all ties together. But after this, I'm predicting we're not going to see another Far Cry for at least, you know, four years. I agree with you on that. And the reason why is because they're they're calling us a... Not a standalone DLC, not a DLC, but an actual second game in the series as far as one coming out one year, this coming out the exact next year. And Far Cry, I like you, I don't think should come out on a yearly iteration basis. This leads us into that Call of Duty discussion there for you. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that. That See, Far Cry, New Dawn being the last Far Cry for a little while, at least for you know at least two or three years to give the, the series a break after the events of Far Cry New Donna. So what's next on your list at number four, my friend, when it comes to the top video games of 2018? All right, for number four, I got Shadow of the Tomb Raider. While I love this game, I did not think that it was a worthy predecessor of Rise of the Tomb Raider. So you played these games, right? Have you played any of the uh, the series? Okay, so you you know what I'm talking about. Did you play Shadow at all? I didn't play Shadow yet. I'd still love to get a chance to, get, to try that out. But yeah, it's hard to replace the actual magic of the reinvigoration of the series with the original Tomb Raider. Well, not the original Tomb Raider. The, tomb, the original Tomb Raider reboot that came out earlier this decade that wowed everybody and just was such an easy game to get into and such a fun game to play. And you, you're right. The, the Rise of the Tomb Raider came out. It was a worthy successor and a very good sequel. Shadow of the Tomb Raider has not been as beloved as the other two previous installments. So I agree with you on that. Although it's still probably a very solid game throughout. Yeah, it's fun. I loved it for sure. I 
my my big thing with video games is because we've talked about this i think video games are an amazing medium for storytelling because you can immerse people into a story in a way that books and movies can't so you know with tomb raider and rise of the tomb raider those were both very very great and immersive and engaging stories and it all built up to something and you're expecting this big epic outcome in shout of the tomb raider but then they kind of sold themselves short with the the whole Mayan apocalypse thing because Assassin's Creed has been doing that for years and that's kind of we get it you know the Mayans <laughs> the Mayans predicted the end of the world or maybe they just got to the end of the calendar at 2012 or like all right well maybe this is good enough there was there's so much more that I was expecting out of it and I didn't get that delivered to me and for that I'm kind of disappointed but still you know great game a lot of a uh, lot of side quests to do a lot of extra content a lot of tombs to explore you get closure with like Jonah and Laura and stuff like that. And, you know, all the stuff that was great about the first two games was there except for the story. So I'm, I'm hoping that we see more from this iteration of Laura Croft further down the line. But I, I just it didn't deliver what I wanted it to. So it was it was good, but it's not great. And I think, unfortunately, it did fall under the weight of its release time in September because there was a lot of other great games that were released right around that time. And even more so in October and November, we stopped hearing about it long time before November was reached. And that's unfortunate for such a great series of games. We don't know what's going to happen with the future of Tomb Raider because of the lack of success of Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So we'll have to wait and see. I think overall they got decent to marginally good reviews across the board, but unfortunately it was not as good as the previous two installments. And with declining values of that, not only with scores, but also as well with dollar amounts, which is obviously the biggest and most important thing, it's now a very tenuous time at Square Enix when it comes to Crystal Dynamics and their future when it comes to what's going on with the Tomb Raider franchise because they're heading into a different direction themselves because I believe they've, they're they going to go ahead and, and work on that new Marvel game that's in development, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's what the rumors are, but that's been the rumors for the past, what, five years since they showed us that trailer after the release of Age of Ultron. For now, Tomb Raider might be put to bed, but we'll go from there with, with really two very good games in the series and one pretty good one as well when it comes to Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So what's your number three, my friend, on your list of video games for 2018? I got Forza Horizon 4 on here. I, I'm a, As you know, I'm a huge Forza fan. I've played all of them. So this is one game that I do not miss out on each year. You know, they sk- skip between Forza and Forza Horizon. Forza Horizon 4 is cool because it, you know, it's not just the dynamic seasons are cool because, you know, they talked about how you, it goes from summer to fall to winter to spring and all that. And there's there's different events, you know, incorporated for each season. So that's cool. And they do all that. And you do have to figure out, you know, what car do I want to drive in the snow? What's going to make my life easier here? I need to get all the all the uh, the stunt gates, but I can't do that in a Ferrari, you know, in the middle of winter. So they definitely make you kind of strategize what you're going to be to be using, what you're going to be driving around during each season. And it's a pretty beefy game. You know, there's a lot on there. There's a lot of events, a lot of different story modes to go through. And I, I think there's an expansion coming out soon or if it, it might already be out. But um, the Halo showcase was fun. Like there's a lot to the game. And I love the it just it looks so real in the open world setting. It's so cool. You can play with your friends. You get all those radio stations you can choose from. There's a, a lot 
in that game. Like it was, I got it with Games Pass, but it gave me a good 60 hours of gameplay, you know, and a few after that that I played with some friends. So definitely a great game. And if if rumors of playground games being in charge of the next Fable game are true, uh, if you look at the open world setting in Forza Horizon 4, I definitely think that the Fable franchise is in good hands. Your love for Forza is definitely there, and that's quite understandable because right now there is no driving franchise better out there for the video game marketplace than Forza. That's just the way it is right now. It is Forza and everybody else. What's your number two on the list, my friend? Number two on your list of the best video games of 2018. Number two on my list, I have Assassin's Creed Odyssey. As you know, played the game, loved the game, spent far too many hours in the game but it was almost a necessity for completing the game. So when I was done, I think I had about 93 hours logged in this game. And keep in mind, like this is not something I sit down during the day and play. It was something that I spent maybe two to three hours each night before I went to sleep playing. There's a lot to unpack in this game. But that being said, Ubisoft did a great job with this one because, you know, Origins was kind of their first attempt at incorporating RPG elements as far as leveling up your gear choosing what stats you want to improve and all that stuff. Origins was fun. It didn't capture me in the way that uh, I hoped it would. You know, the story, I didn't really care about the main character. It was, and they kind of threw you into into the action before really even introducing you to what's going on. Odyssey did all the things that Origins didn't. And Odyssey is the first time in Assassin's Creed game I've actually been interested in the characters. And they also brought back the the ship combat that was so great in Black Flag. So they've been for forever. They've been trying to recapture that magic because, you know, Black Flag had this amazing naval combat mode and they've been trying forever to recapture that. And with this one, you know, it's not there's no cannons, but there's there's the arrow volleys. It all has such a smooth feel to it. And it reminded me of Black Flag. But this was the first time in any Assassin's Creed game where I actually care about the characters. I want to do the side quest, you know, and they make it so if you do the side quest, it helps you progress in the the three main storylines you have to finish throughout the game. That is an actually, like you said, a very good open world game. It's actually putting the Assassin's Creed series back in the forefront. We were kind of worried about what direction it was going, and maybe it was time for them to take a break. But it looks like they're going to be sticking around with more content for this going forward. And I think it's now heading back into a right direction. Maybe they should take a year off. Like I believe they said they were going to do so. So that hopefully in 2020 they'll come back strong with another great iteration of Assassin's Creed. All right, my friend. I think our number one is going to be the same, but I got to hear from you, my friend. What is your number one video game of 2018? God of War, man. I've never been blown away by a game like I have with God of War. And keep in mind that God of War has been around for a long time. And while the, the, you know, the other entries were fun, they're very linear. Kratos is a very one-dimensional character. He grunts, sleeps with women on boats, and chops up monsters. Not a lot of depth to that. You know, it, it was fun, had a good soundtrack, but geez, they really just rebuilt this game from the ground up with this new God of War game. Soundtrack is amazing, and it's so emotional. The moment that you're thrown into the game, you're trying to find wood for the mom's funeral pyre, you, Kratos has this son he doesn't know what to do with. And it's really, it's a game about being a father as much as it is a game about, you know, travel through Norse mythology and all that. So it's a very, it's a very sad game. It's incredibly sad, but it's also very interesting. Like you get a lot of history. You, you see Kratos develop in a way that he's never developed before. They set it up for another game. 
you know, it's just such an interesting and and I, I don't want to say vast, but it's it's more the world is more open and you do want to go explore everything. The side that, you know, the characters are all the characters are interesting and just the, this world that they've built and the world that they're building towards like Corey Barlog. He said that he, there are plans for like three or four more God of War games to complete this arc of it. And I am I, I am super excited about it. And. You know, it's no. I'm so glad to see that this game won Game of the Year as well as the soundtrack because everything about this game is absolutely amazing. I could talk about it for hours, and I do at some point want to go back and play the game plus mode just because I, I absolutely fell in love with this game. I can't blame you, Ben. It is my number one choice as well. God of War was the first game I played in a long time that I don't have any complaints about. So, you know, good work. And you do see why Sony is more known for their cinematic experiences with video games. And I, I totally get why it takes so long to put something like that out. Just wish they had more releases coming out faster. Well, that's our list of the top video games of 2018. If you have some choices yourself out there, or if you agree with what we're saying, or if you don't agree with what we're talking about when it comes to the best video games of 2018, share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, when we come back, Haas from The Voice from the Underground shares his top five moments in pop culture in 2018. And then after that, we'll be talking some Holmes and Watson. What's going on with that now that it's out in the wild? Why is everybody up in an uproar over Holmes and Watson and how bad it may be? We're going to share our thoughts on that at the end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. What's up, friends? Josh here of the Pop Culture Cosmos and Topic Ocalypse podcast. I recently got to sit down with Forza Horizon 4, and I have some thoughts, so here goes. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Forza Horizon 4 is the most breathtaking racing game I have ever seen. Trust me when I tell you this, that I don't say that lightly. As somebody who has played every Forza entry since Forza Motorsports revved its way onto the original Xbox console back in 2005, I was beginning to, for lack of a better term, experience franchise fatigue. While the Forza Horizon series certainly has a lot more to offer fans in terms of things to do, the novelty of an open world racing game was beginning to feel stale. So what exactly is it that makes Forza Horizon 4 feel like a breath of fresh air in a series that's been around for 13 years? Well, I'm glad you asked. When Phil Spencer took the stage at this year's E3 to show us Microsoft's massive lineup of games, he made a point to show off their AAA studios, reassuring fans that they have heard the call for new IPs and exclusives and they are working hard to deliver. Among developers like 343 Industries, Ninja Theory, Rare, The Coalition, and Mojang stood longtime Microsoft collaborators Turn 10 Studios and Playground Games. For those of you who don't know, Turn 10 Studios was the original developer alongside Microsoft of the Forza Motorsports franchise. It wasn't until the release of Forza Horizon back in 2012 that the UK-based Playground Games was brought into the fold. 
With Turn 10's knowledge of car games and playground games' love of open-world settings, it seemed like a recipe for success, and it was. Fast forward six years and four entries, and it feels like the formula has been perfected. The moment you start the game, you're thrust into brief events that highlight all of the different offerings the game has as far as multiplayer racing goes. You can choose between cross-country, road racing, dirt racing, or the non-festival-sanctioned street racing. And once you finish those, there's plenty of side quests to play through, including barn finds, drag racing, speed zones, danger zones, beauty spots, and the tried and true bonus board hunting that requires hours of patience and no shortage of ingenuity to complete. That's a lot of gameplay, right? Yeah, but that's not even half of what this latest entry offers gamers. In addition to the main storyline, and I use that term loosely, of the game, which sees you making friends and becoming the Horizon Festival champion, Forza Horizon 4 has introduced for the very first time narrative-based gameplay in the form of four different stories that have you joining a drift club, driving cars for an internet streamer, showing off fast cars for a business, and doing stunts for a big-budget driving flick. While all of these side stories are optional, it brings something to the game that makes you feel more involved in the world, thus providing an incentive to keep playing. It's an interesting strategy on the part of the developers, and, at least in my opinion, it paid off. Speaking of world, Forza Horizon 4 takes you to the United Kingdom where you participate in a Horizon Festival that lasts an entire year while allowing players to drive through various conditions brought on by dynamic seasons that can be seen transitioning at different points throughout their cycles. Why it's taken them so long to introduce a feature like this is beyond me, but I'm certainly glad they did. The first things you'll notice in the fall are the colors. All the different shades of red and orange you find in the falling leaves are stunning to say the least. Then there's the winter. While winter isn't exactly the colorful spectacle that fall is, the game allows players to decide how much or how little they're going to enjoy it. You can buy a nice Jeep or a Land Rover and put some snow tires on there which will allow you to traverse the roads easy enough, or you can be an idiot like I was and try to drive a Ferrari 458 Special while simultaneously trying to get enough speed to make the jumps and finish the danger signs. On a more positive note, while the snow can be fun to drive around in for the first few minutes, if that, Winter does allow you access to places you can't get to during other times of the year. That being said, if you're a completionist, make sure you take advantage of this time by smashing all of the signs on all of the islands while you can. As for the spring and summer, they both have things about them that are interesting and fun, but there's not exactly a lot of variation when it comes to road conditions and driving techniques. Instead of focusing on not crashing or racking up those skill points, take a minute to enjoy just how beautiful the scenery in this game is. Now for the cars. Forza Horizon 4 boasts a catalog of 450 cars, a number that will most likely increase as more downloadable content is released. Among those 450 cars are all the usual big names like Alston Martin, Audi, BMW, Chrysler, Ferrari, Jaguar, and so on. What the developers did differently this time around is throw in some cool off-road vehicles like the Ram Power Wagon, Defender 90, and the Toyota Helix. Unfortunately, the catalog is limited to vehicles with four wheels, meaning that while you still have to face planes, hovercrafts, and dirt bikes in the showcase events, you still can't drive them. Oh well, maybe next time. Uh, you do, however, get to take a spin with everybody's favorite UNSC super weapon, Spartan 117 The Master Chief, in a special Halo showcase that puts you in a warthog and lets you experience a thrill that I haven't felt since the Maw. That's right, in one of the showcase events, the world of Forza Horizon 4 is reskinned to look like it exists on a Halo ring. The soundtrack plays Cortana plans your escape from the Covenant, and speaking of Covenant, there are plenty of banshees flying around as you make a mad dash through castles, neighborhoods, over jumps, and back to the beach. And yes, it is just as much fun as it sounds. Really, I am not being sarcastic there.
Alright, so usually I close these reviews with things I didn't like about the game. Uh, while Forza Horizon 4 is far from the perfect game, its flaws are hardly anything worth writing about. The weather can be a hindrance at some points, and a few of the danger signs are incredibly difficult to score on. However, what I consider flaws, others might consider challenges. After sinking about 35 hours into this game and reaching level 87, I was certainly glad to be done with it when I had finished everything I was able to do. That being said, I will still be eagerly anticipating whatever add-on is released in the future, because this is a world I definitely won't mind returning to. Whether you're a fan of straightforward racing games or the more open-world car games of yesteryear, Forza Horizon 4 has something for every racing fan of every skill level. Speaking of open worlds, if the rumors are true and Playground Games really are working on the next entry in the Fable series, the beautiful landscape of Forza Horizon 4 is a good indication that everybody's favorite chicken kicker is in good hands. From the rolling hills of Astmore to the sprawling city of Edinburgh, this latest entry in the Forza Horizon series packs all of the usual thrills with plenty of new content well worth the extra hours you might and probably will put into it. I score this game a 9 out of 10 and you should definitely check it out. This episode is brought to you by Vitabrace, high-performance gamer wristbands by Miracle Fruit Oil. Big Dog, you and I play a lot of video games. Yes, we do. You ever find yourself in positions where your, your hands get cramped and you just you, you need a break, you got to get up? Yes. Okay, well, it just so happens that Miracle Fruit Oil, they made these bracelets right here, and what it's supposed to do is increase circulation in your wrist, makes you less tired, less fatigued, less sore and stiff. Uh, it's... It's supposed to give you more endurance, grip, strength, range of motion, uh, mobility, stability, better manual dexterity, coordination, and precision movements. I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, and it has helped. It has made it so, because, you know, I spent a lot of time working on computers, doing video games, stuff like that. It does help, you know, it kind of eases, uh, eases the pain a little bit, or I feel it less, I mean, when I do it without it. You don't really notice until you take the bracelet off, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, Vitabrace is powered by nature. It contains miracle fruit seed oil, a rare and natural oil that comes from the seed of the healthy miracle fruit berry. The wristband is capable of delivering the oil to your wrist for four to six months of daily use. The combination of compression, uh, occlusion, and unique oil provides several benefits. If you're interested in getting your own miracle fruit Vitabrace wristband, visit their website today at www.miraclefruitoil.com and use promo code MEDIA10 at checkout for $10 off your next purchase. All right, guys, thanks for tuning into my review. You can catch this review and more on the Pop Culture Cosmos, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the usual places. Also on Topic Ocalypse, you can find it on our iTunes Humanican, uh, and at Humanican Media on YouTube. Uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. What's up, everybody? Josh here from the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and Topicocalypse. 
I'm coming at you with a review for a game that I got to play called Battle Princess Madeline by Casual Bit Games. I got a review copy, so just keep that in mind. But, uh, but let me dive into the game a little bit and what I thought of it. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Battle Princess Madeline is the most frustrating game I've ever played. It is also one of the most satisfying games I've ever played. In a cyclical world where platformers are once again starting to oversaturate the market, Battle Princess Madeline stands about as tall as the dancing skeleton you face within minutes of starting the game. And trust me, it's a fight you won't soon forget. Why does this game stand out? If you've played any of the indie platforming games that have come out in the past few years, you know that they're notorious for being punishing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, let's not forget that these types of games are products inspired by the retro games of the 80s and 90s, a time when you actually had to be good at video games to play them. What separates Battle Princess Madeline from other retro-inspired games of this era is the way in which it embraces its heritage in gameplay, story, and soundtrack. It feels right at home on your console just as it would in an arcade in the corner of some dingy pizza place. Battle Princess Madeline tells a story of a princess who becomes a warrior and takes on hordes of the undead in order to save the kingdom where she lives. Aided by the ghost of her dog Fritzy and the wisdom of her grandfather, she travels across swamps, mountains, castles, and dungeons until she reaches that final confrontation that games like this are known for. Nostalgic gameplay isn't the only thing that drives the narrative forward. The moment you turn the game on, you're greeted by a slightly different version of a scene that every 80s kid knows all too well. Let me paint a picture in your mind. A certain sick child is lying in bed playing video games when Grandpa comes over and offers to read a story. The sick child, being as savage as he is, tells his Grandpa that books are dumb. Not this book, the Grandpa assures him, as he opens it up and tells a tale of a princess, a masked man, a giant, and a Sicilian. If you haven't put it together yet, the sick child is Fred Savage, and the book the Grandpa is reading is The Princess Bride. That's right, the good folks over at Casual Bait Games open their tale with a sick girl named Madeline playing a video game on an iPad when her grandpa comes over and offers to read a story. At first, she's not interested. Then she finds out the main character's name Madeline, and into the game you go. A clever and appreciated nod to pop culture gone by. Before I dig into what I did and didn't like about the game, let me make it clear that I'm not a fan of platforming games. I have played more than I can count, and with the exception of Celeste, I've never been completely enamored by one. While Battle Princess Madeline certainly stands out, I'm still not exactly sure how I feel about it. Was the payoff worth the frustration? Yes, and no. Like all things that you fail out repeatedly, finally getting it right makes you feel like you can do anything. In the case of Battle Princess Madeline, the feeling only lasts until whatever comes next. Each enemy type is as unforgiving and frustrating as the next, and it certainly doesn't help that the controls on the Xbox One felt unresponsive, which can make or break you in a game that requires quick thinking and even quicker reflexes. I lost count of how many times I died because the game didn't register the command fast enough, or it might be the way that every move you make in this game has to be perfect. We'll dig more into that in a minute. As for things I liked about the game, I have to take my hat off to Casual Bit Games for really pushing the Unity engine to places I've never seen it go. Yeah, there have been some big titles created by AAA studios using the Unity engine like Assassin's Creed Identity, Deus Ex The Fall, and the ever-popular Temple Run. But while those games had their entertaining aspects, there wasn't exactly anything about them with the exception of being connected to bigger franchises that made you stand back and go, wow. In Battle Princess Madeline, when you're not focused on not dying, the visuals leave you in a state of awe that makes you want to see how much this world has to offer. Everything from the color shades to the way things glow and cast shadows is beautifully rendered in an environment that feels three-dimensional without actually being three-dimensional. I do want to get back to the nostalgia that this game brings. 
Again, the video game market of today, especially the indie scene, is oversaturated with platforming games. I admire the effort it takes to develop a game, whether it's good or bad, but with so many developers claiming to have reinvented the wheel, it's hard to know what games you should spend your time exploring. Battle Princess Madeline is definitely a game worth exploring. For those of you who grew up in the 80s and early 90s, this will, no doubt, bring back memories of the time you might have spent in arcades. If you miss that era like I did, it might bring back memories of games like Ghouls and Ghosts, Golden Axe, or one of the many gauntlet games you played with your buddies on the Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis growing up. Not only does it feel like a game from days gone by, but it also manages to feel new, bringing aspects of modern RPGs to the classic side-scrolling gameplay. For example, you can go into buildings, speak with townspeople, some of whom even offer you side quests, change equipment, and fast travel. The people in the towns even incentivize you to progress in the game by offering you rewards for defeating bosses. As for the story, I would consider it a violent fairy tale, one that kicks off with the death of a dog. And if you're like me, you would gladly avenge any poor pup harmed by another being, especially an evil one. It's a sad way to start the narrative, but it has a motivating effect that makes you determined to play the game from start to finish. On the flip side of the critic coin, there is plenty that I didn't like about this game. One of those things being that the gameplay feels like it punishes you just for the sake of punishing you. As I mentioned above, everything has to be perfect. Every jump has to be hit in an exact place, every enemy has a routine, every dodge has to be timed. There's no room for error in this game. And unlike most bigger titles, you can't just adjust the difficulty and play the game at a level that allows you to just enjoy it. Not that that's a bad thing, games need to be challenging, but there are points in Battle Princess Madeline where challenging straddles the line of impossibility. The lack of checkpoints becomes an issue as well in certain places. If you like to explore, you can easily find yourself in places that were ridiculously hard to get to, and then you die on the way back. The only problem is that when you're resurrected, you end up in the same spot you died instead of back in a town or village, placing you in an endless loop of madness. My last complaint is the respawn system. Again, I realize that platforming games are supposed to be challenging, but a simple change to this system could make the game a lot more enjoyable. The way it works is that each time you kill an enemy, you collect an orb from them, and those orbs allow you to keep coming back to life when you die. Those orbs fill a gauge on the top right corner of your screen, and when it's full, you can usually return from the dead three times. The issue I have is that, once the gauge is depleted, it takes so many orbs to fill it back up. And in a game like this, the chances are high that you're going to die before you're able to gather enough orbs for even one more respawn. Then there are things that are instant deaths. For example, anytime you don't time a jump properly, you're going to die. If you get caught by one of the mud hands that are in the swamp, you're going to die. There are a few other things that cause instant death as well, but you get the picture. Back to my earlier question, is the payoff worth the frustration that this game causes you? Looking back at it now, I think it is. I remember playing 2D platforming games as a kid, and that feeling that you get after spending hours trying to pass a level or beating a boss is unlike anything you experience for the rest of your life. Though Battle Princess Madeline is incredibly difficult, the feeling you get as you're nearing the end of each level and boss fight and the way the music speeds up and your heart feels like it's going to leap out of your chest is something I haven't experienced in a long time. The story is intriguing, the color shading is beautiful, the animation is without flaw, and the game is incredibly difficult. I'd say that hitting three of those four marks makes this game worth the $19.99 that it costs to play it. While the game has been delayed on Nintendo Switch and I think PlayStation 4, you can pick it up on the Xbox Marketplace and Steam today. I give this game an 8.5 out of 10. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. 
Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to my review of Battle Princess Madeline. Remember, you can find this game on the Xbox Marketplace and Steam today for $19.99. If you're looking for more reviews or more podcasts, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Cosmos channel and Topicocalypse on iTunes, Podbean, Podcast.com, Stitcher, Google Play, and other great podcasting outlets around the globe. Also, look us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves come in and chat with nicole or doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite and don't forget retro city games loves trade-ins so if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Once again, to tell everyone out there, if you have a chance and you want to check out exactly where our shows are being played on, because we're being played on radio stations all around the world, seven days a week, you can check out our entire listing of radio shows on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, and you'll also get a chance to check out many of the podcast options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. I know you've had a couple episodes that you just recently released out into the wild, so share us your thoughts on those releases, because I know you guys are taking a break, but your friends at Humanica Media. Yeah, we did a topic apocalypse uh, last week that got pub. I finally put up yesterday, but it was a uh, Christmas movie episode. We're talking about Christmas movies, what qualifies as a Christmas movie, what are, what are some of the ones that we like, some of the ones we hate. Just a uh, just a nice little holiday discussion. You know what I mean? Die and, uh, hard, die 
hard. You know, it's funny that there's actually a movement around people saying how unintelligent people who argue about Die Hard is. And I think that's just kind of like the uh, hipster generation going, I thought it was cool first, you know, and them just lashing out at something that they think was stolen from them, much like coffee and craft beer. They need to listen to the episode 99 of the PCC Multiverse. They'll hear our entire thoughts on what the best Christmas movies are, including Die Hard. Yes, yes, agreed. So check that out. It's on Podbean, iTunes, and all the the usual suspects. And you can check out our back catalog of shows, too. We'll be back in the uh, new year with some new content coming out. We're currently planning some stuff right now. It's going to be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, just keep following us on Facebook and check out all the good stuff coming your way. Well, before we head on out, my friend, we got to talk some Holmes and Watson. It did release along with Vice nationwide. And unfortunately, there was uh, no real great reception for Holmes and Watson. It did earn $6 million in its first day of release, which is, I guess, okay, but not compared to Aquaman, which did $22 million in its Christmas holiday. So I'll tell you what, my friend, the reason why everybody's in uproar over it, because it was not screened to critics, and there's a good reason why, is because the film... People, the critics actually had to go out and see this in the theaters. All oh, boo hoo, boo hoo. But those that did go and make it out to the theaters were commenting on what a bad film this is. So you could tell the reason why they didn't screen it up front for critics was that it was just going to get lambasted. So you know what? They're getting what they deserve right now. And I don't see a long future for this in the theaters. My question to you on this is with Holmes and Watson being so bad and actually having at this point in time of our recording a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, do you see a future where maybe a Step Brothers 2 or some type of Talladega Nights 2 or something down the road that maybe John C. Riley and Will Ferrell work on again together and maybe try to recapture that spirit that they obviously didn't have in Holmes and Watson? Maybe, but honestly, I hope not, man. I'm so tired of Will Ferrell movies. They only really appeal to a certain age demographic. You know, if you're in high school and you're you're still wrapped up in uh, you know, in, in that time of your life, like that, they 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 pretty much in their movies they are pretty much 16 year olds. So if you're in that era, that's people like that. But you know, people don't have money to go see movies anymore. So you're not going to get a lot of kids like that into the movie theaters to see things like that. Well, I would I would love to see a sequel to Old School. Absolutely love that movie. Uh, Will Ferrell was actually tolerable in that movie. Uh, I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, and I think that his his movies are while they're funny, they're just he tries too hard in them. And like Anchorman Two was bad. I can't remember a Will Ferrell movie that I actually enjoyed besides Old School. So I might not be the right person to ask about this, but I did predict that Holmes and Watson would bomb at the box office and. I was right. So, you know, you guys can all write this down, take notes. This might be on a future podcast called Josh is Right. We, uh, you know, we'll see if we can get that rolling into production soon. But I don't have any interest in seeing it. And, you know, if they didn't let critics see it, they probably knew that it was bad, but it's probably already made. So they didn't want to, you know, put that money to waste. What are your thoughts, though? Are you, you have any plans on going to see this, uh, this box office bomb? No, not in the theaters. I may actually see it when it hits TV. I'm not even going to probably stream it. So I think at this point in time, it's probably just for me, something I'll probably see and catch maybe if it hits FX or TNT or something like that here within what I think it's what a two year time frame. So 
maybe I'll spend some time and if I have, you know, if I'm cooking or something, I can go ahead and I can, I go catch it on the TV or whatnot, maybe the background, but yeah, unfortunately it just looks like that type of shtick for Will Ferrell and John C. Riley didn't mesh, which is kind of weird. John C. Riley has been doing very good. He obviously did very well with record Ralph and he's got Stan and Ollie, which conveniently came out just a day or two after then Holmes and Watson. So it's kind of weird how that plays out. And actually John C. Riley has gotten a lot of acclaim for sisters brothers as well. So this is the duet that actually of all of them, he's getting the least acclaim for, and it's probably just going to disappear along with welcome to Morrowind, which also tanked at the theaters and vice, which may have some legs to it if it gets a lot more awards, but a C-plus cinema score for a potential Oscar hopeful is kind of weird because it seems like there's a disconnect when it comes to what the critics think and what the crowd and what the regular audience out there thinks. What do you think about that when it comes to Vice getting a C-plus cinema score, which actually is really not good at all? Everyone was expecting big things from that movie. And from what I understand, like a lot of casual moviegoers are expressing interest in going to see it. So I don't know, man. You know, it's politically charged. So here's my theory, okay? I I just, I don't think that people want to go see movies like that anymore. I know they want to watch them when they come out on Redbox, rent them when they hit on demand, but I don't think there's a big call to go see those movies out in theaters, movies like that in theaters anymore. I could be wrong, but I'm just speaking to to my demographic. But, you know, I'm hearing great things about this movie, though, from people who have seen it. So Maybe it's just the holidays was just not a, a good time for it to come out. Maybe there's because there's too too many other movies out there to see. So that might be an issue too. Might be the same issue with Welcome to Morrowind, which was a uh, did I say that right? Merrill Merrowin Merrill Marwin Marwin. I keep thinking about the video game. Yeah, there's just these. It, I don't think Christmas is a great time for these emotional dramatic movies. I think Christmas is a time for movies that are kids movies. The Grinch, Fantastic Beasts, Where to Find Them, stuff like that. So maybe if those movies had come out in like February or March that they might do better. But let's not forget that a lot of movies that get nominated for awards don't do well in the box office. This is true, my friend. This is true. But you know what? For Holmes and Watson, it doesn't look like a very good future. Let's hope. Well, I actually, I know you don't hope. But let's hope that if it does come together for another reuniting of John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, let's just hope it's a lot better the next time around what are your thoughts on holmes and watson out there share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also share us your thoughts on vice because that is still getting a lot of interplay out there as a potential oscar hopeful but the cinema score as a c plus was really not that good at all so that shows a disconnect between general audiences and critics we want to hear your thoughts on that as well popculturecosmos game source humanity media on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. My friend, it's been another great episode. 100 episodes of the PCC Multiverse. How about that, my friend, with your last thoughts on the way out? Uh, Well, we broke the triple digits with both the PCC and the PCC Multiverse. So just shows that we've been doing the show for a long time. And it's been growing. I see the numbers going up every week. And, you know, thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. It's been fun, and uh, we hope to continue doing this further down the line. But we'd also love your support, so be sure to uh, follow us on social media, do the Miracle Fruit Oil thing, 
any interaction you want to send us an email you want to say some some stuff that you disagree with gerald about feel free to send him an email at popculturecosmos at gmail.com we'd love if you guys got involved with the show so feel free to give us a shout out you noticed you just said me not if they disagree with you i'm never wrong especially about things like king arthur let's not start let's not start so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here for the 100th edition of the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.